God, we do want to praise you for not leaving us alone. God, thank you that um, when Christ ascended back into heaven, that you left us here with your Holy Spirit to comfort us, to guide us, to encourage us, to counsel us, to remind us that you have not left us, nor have you forsaken us. So God, we ask through your Holy Spirit this morning that you may be glorified through our response to you. God, as we are faced with many trials every day, God, help us to respond with rejoicing. Help us to respond with glory to you and honor to you, knowing that we are walking like Christ. God, help us this morning to recognize, God, if we have been clothed in righteousness because we've confessed Christ as Lord, God, help us to recognize that we need to walk in righteous ways. God, help us to see you this morning in your glory, not what we think you should look like, but instead who you really are. Got to open our hearts and our minds to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Turn to Matthew chapter 5. We've been studying uh, the Sermon on the Mount. I've uh, been going through the Beatitudes together. Uh, my hope this morning is that as we finish the Beatitude and Beactionitudes, that we would uh, be encouraged and that we would respond uh, in a way, in a manner that glorifies Christ and not ourselves. And so, uh, so as we look through the Beatitudes, I just want to remind you of them uh, as we start there. In verse 2, it says this, And he opened his mouth, and he taught them these things, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, verse 3 says, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So here we have an attitude, right? A beatitude. We have an attitude. It's not something physical, really, that we can measure or that we can hold on to, but we but when Christ says, blessed are the poor in spirit, he's talking more about an attitude, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. So again, we're seeing this attitude, we're seeing this uh, way of life, this spirit, this attitude towards what God has, has done and what he's doing. Blessed are the meek, again an attitude, uh, a way to respond in life, a way to handle certain situations, for they shall inherit the earth. Verse 6 says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for Krispy Kreme donuts or for Papa Joe's barbecue. No, it says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Again, not something materialistic, not something that you can actually hunger and thirst for and see the results of it uh, as you would see a plate of barbecue. But instead, it's something different, uh, something that's more of an attitude. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Verse 7 says, blessed are the merciful, for they shall re receive mercy. Again, can you hold on? to mercy? Can you uh, form it? Can you create it? Can you make it so it can be seen? No, it's more of an attitude, something that you have to put into action. Verse 8 says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Here again, we're talking about something that only Christ can do, make your heart and my heart pure, something that can't uh, physically be done, that we can see the outcome of it. We can only uh, trust that God working through us and our heart being molded into his uh, shape or the way he would so desire, then we'll We'll see uh, action come out of that. Last week we talked about blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God. And I'm not sure about you, but if you were here last week and we studied this together, guaranteed if you're like me, you had many moments during the week to be peacemakers to step in and be these mediators that Christ has called us to be and to represent him in a number of situations. Uh, maybe it's a physical fight. Maybe it was an argument. Maybe it's something deep-rooted, uh, something um, that's that can't really be seen, something under the surface that you had to step in and be the peacemaker and offer Christ to someone who's in, who's in need of, of Jesus. And then we get to verse 10. 
And we move to something that can physically be seen, that can be heard, that can be felt, that can be touched. He says, verse 10, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And he goes on in verses 11 and 12 and says, Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you or insult you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account, meaning Jesus' account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So we have this moment where Christ switches these beatitudes, beatitudes, into something that you can actually physically experience, persecution. And really, I mean, if, we, if, we, if we're just honest with one another this morning, we know that persecution can be divine in a, in a variety of ways. And my assumption is, if you're like many of the Christians that I've had conversations with in our culture, um, not just here in New Mexico or Lee County, but also in the culture of uh, the United States of America, we, we uh, understand that we would say persecution is much different here than it is in Afghanistan or Iraq or the Ukraine or Russia or uh, China, places like this, Indonesia, Burma, places where uh, where we would say, oh, I wouldn't be comfortable going going to those places as a Christian. Why? Because if I was to raise my Christian flag in that particular place, I would see persecution. I might even under, undergo persecution. It's a difficult topic. Uh, it's a great resource for you to read sometime. A former IMB missionary named Nick Ripkin wrote a book titled, and you're going to be freaked out by this, but he wrote a book titled The Insanity of God. And he uh, just tells the stories of many people in our day and age who are missionaries in places that most of us in this room would be seriously uncomfortable going. Uh, he tells a story about some, uh, some brothers and sisters in the Ukraine. And uh, he, 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 um, he asked the pastor there, do you ever get just overwhelmed uh, by the persecution that you face because you face it every day? And why aren't you telling these stories? Why aren't, you, why aren't you encouraging one another? Why aren't you sharing these incredible stories of God working through your life, working through this persecution? And this pastor takes Nick over to the window, says, look at the window. He says, you know, the sun rises and sets. Do you wake up your, your sons every morning and say, come watch this? Watch this sunrise every morning? No, I mean, that would get monotonous. That would be uh, something that, that we see every day. We're just not used to it. And the pastor there in the Ukraine said, absolutely. Persecution is something we face every day. It's a, it's a normal set, uh, a normal part of our following Jesus. A normal part of our following Jesus. Comfort in our society has caused many of us to become nominal Christians. Nominal meaning in name only. And when persecution arises, whatever it would look like, we are challenged in our faith, faith, and because of that, uh, we look at persecution and say, I don't want any part of that. Now, no one's waking up. No one woke up this morning and said, I can't wait to go to church so the preacher can persecute me. No one's waiting for that moment. In any context, we're not just waiting for persecution. But in our culture, we've been taught that persecution is terrible. Uh, we've been taught that we should run from persecution. We've been taught that, hey, we don't want any part of that. Let's flee from it. Let's go to another place so we can absolutely be removed from it. What, what if you and I were actually persecuted for the faith that we have? What if we were actually challenged for what we believe? And, and by challenge, I don't mean, uh, why don't you drink? Or why don't you cuss? 
or why don't you do these uh, these things that we've uh, we've accredited to uh, to really really detrimental in your walk with Christ? I'm not talking about those things. How come you don't tell these jokes? How come you don't uh, uh, go here? Why does Chick Fil A close on Sunday? Like we're not talking about those types of persecutions. We're talking about you and I being persecuted for the righteousness we have in Christ. Why we choose to live pure in heart. Why we choose to be meek. Why we choose to be merciful. Why we choose to be poor in spirit. Why we choose to mourn. Why, why are you wanting to walk in this way? When we finish the Sermon on the Mount, we see these, these episodes where Christ is speaking into our life towards things like being the salt and the light of the earth, towards uh, really believing that Christ came to fulfill the law, that he is everything summed up in the law, that we would believe, like we read last week in Colossians chapter 1, that he is the first of everything, that he is the preeminence, that everything belongs to him, was created for him and by him for his glory. And you say, I want to live for something different. And people begin to question, why do you live for Christ and not the things of this world? Why do you decide to give away your money instead of keep your money? Why do you say your resources don't belong to you but belong to the Father? I mean, there's just a number of episodes here. Uh, he goes on in the Sermon on the Mount where you get to verse 21. He talks about anger and how we respond. You know, the world responds very angrily towards a, num- a number of things. Uh, social media, you guys could watch the news if you're not on social, me- social media and see how quickly something can be said and how much anger is stirred up right away. And then you as a believer have to decide, what should I do with this? I'm on the phone driving my truck this the other day, and I'm on the phone with my, with my mom and my dad, and, uh, and I paused in conversation. And they said, are you still there? And I said, yes, but you need to pray for me at this moment. Well, how, how, why do we need to pray for you? Because this lady behind me is about to see the wrath of God if she doesn't get off my bumper and in that moment you think okay is this responding like Christ am I being persecuted for driving the Texas way the friendly way (laughs) is that something really to be persecuted for we go on why aren't you going to be a lustful person well Christ calls me not to be we go on why aren't you going to handle divorce like the world handles divorce because Christ tells me to handle things differently why are you going to let your yes be yes like uh, like Jesus' brother says and we talk about oaths why why are you somebody who keeps your word because Christ has made me righteous and I want to be righteous in his eyes why don't you retaliate like the rest of the world retaliates why don't you respond like the rest of the world retaliates you know, I was thinking about something. We call, um, we call this lock on our door that protects us and keeps us safe the deadbolt. The deadbolt. We're putting trust in a deadbolt. Shouldn't you put your trust in a risen Savior, somebody who's alive? Somebody needs to write that down and tweet it right now. Don't put your trust in the deadbolt. Put your trust in your risen Savior who controls all of life, here and forevermore. We should just end right there. That was... Mm. He goes on to say there in the in the in the uh, last part of chapter five, verse forty-three. Let's catch up. We're gonna we're gonna preach this again to you uh, later in the in the uh, in next year. But I want you to read this with me to here. Verse forty-three says this: You have heard that it was said, "You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy." S- some of you say well, right now, if we're gonna be honest, my neighbor is my enemy. <laughs> You've, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, these are Christ's words. These are Christ's words speaking to his followers. Not just nominal disciples, not just disciples of Jesus by name, but people who have sold everything and decided, I want to follow Jesus wholeheartedly. Not just because I grew up in a culture of following Jesus, but because I have decided by my own admission that I will follow Christ because he is the only person, the only God worth following. But I say to you, verse 44, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. 
pray for those who persecute you. I mean, I only, I only had a few moments that I would look back on life and count as persecution for my righteousness in Christ. And many of those are very shallow, superficial moments. I think about a time that I was in, uh, in Germany with a group of students and being harassed because of the songs that we were singing. And just uh, in that moment, uh, thinking, do I really truly have faith in Jesus? An- enough that I would say, Christ is it. And that I only want to gain Christ and nothing else. I think about a moment when Mandy and I felt the Holy Spirit's prompting and God's leading for us to seek out adopting children who by DNA did not belong to us. And we set out on this journey to bring in children to our home, to experience the love of Christ like we've experienced, and to show them mercy and forgiveness. And I remember how many believers, Christians, questioned what our decision was. Well, where are you going to adopt from? Because you know if you adopt from this country, these are the problems that this child will have. And you're going to bring those problems into your home. <laughs> okay. I appreciate your, your encouragement. I appreciate your confidence in our discerning of God's Holy Spirit. I appreciate your example of Ephesians, where Christ has adopted us into his family. Not because of anything that we deserve, but because Christ as a merciful, compassionate, loving Savior and forgiving Father, counted us as someone worthy to be adopted into his family. So I appreciate the encouragement. I appreciate the support in that from family members, from church members, from from believers. I think about the persecution undertaking because of the decision we made to be like Christ and to walk like him. And those are just a couple of moments that really tested my faith. Standing, and I've told the story before. Reese and I are standing in the backyard. And uh, our church that we served at at the time used to say this phrase, and you've probably read it before uh, on a bulletin or, or said it in a church. Um, God is good uh, all the time. All the time God is good. And Reese and I are in the backyard talking about that very statement. But is God really good all the time? What if he takes away all our stuff? What if we feel like he's abandoned us? Though he has not because his word is true. What about in those moments, would we really say that, that he is good? And Reese, I'm not pointing him out just to point him out, but it's a, a great moment for me as a father to hear him say, well, I just don't know, Daddy. I'm like, I'm with you, buddy. I, I trust in God's word, but in this moment, my faith is being persecuted. My faith is being tested. My righteousness in Christ and my belief in him is being tested in this moment. And I want my faith to be grown, to be growing in this moment. But the things around me are distracting me, make me want to look on things of this earth instead of things eternal. So we have to face persecution like Christ would face persecution. And persecution is really an interesting thing because since rebellion into this world, persecution has began. I mean, remember Abel who got disabled from the very beginning there? Cain, uh, he decided to, uh, to, to really persecute Abel for his beliefs, for his righteous way of living. And he slaughtered him, really. He murdered his brother because of his beliefs, because of the way he was worshiping God, because of his trust in God. Moses and the Israelites persecuted for their belief, for them for them wanting to be set apart and different from the rest of the world, persecuted for their beliefs. We, we can move, out, move throughout Scripture and see many moments of this. Let's just get to Jesus, though. 
the way he chose to be different from the rest of the world. Though he could bring the sword and completely demolish everything, he comes as a suffering servant to serve the world, to give his life as a ransom for many, to, to, to be the propitiation, to take your, your place and my place on the cross, to give us uh, the righteous way that we cannot earn by ourselves, but instead he gives it to us freely, only costing him. The persecution he faced. Acts chapter 9, he even cries out to Paul, who we, who we read many of his letters now. Paul, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Why, why are you going against me? Why are you hurling these insults towards me? Why are you uh, making these physical uh, hardships against my, uh, my bride or, or the body of Christ? Why are you doing these, why are you doing these things? John, Stephen, Paul, Peter, all these guys that we read in, the, in, in Scripture that have been persecuted for their faith, for their righteousness through Christ. Christ is saying, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So, so right, off the bat, right off the bat, our response to persecution is, is so important. Our response is, to persecution is so important. How will you respond? I mean, I come from a very, very, very sarcastic family. And I have to really filter and watch myself not to be sarcastic with you. And I never am. I'm never sarcastic with you. I try and leave sarcasm out of the, ser- the sermons all the time. I never use it as an example. ever. My family is very sarcastic. And, and many times the, the words that we are sar- use as sarcasm are very hurtful. And men are really good about this. You know, oh, you're weak. Oh, well, I lift the weights. Oh, you must have lifted weights 20 years ago. You're not lifting any time. I mean, we use these kind of words. Sarcasm is a fun tool to use. But it shouldn't be, shouldn't be the words of, of Christ's bride. We, sh- we should be serious about our walking with him. We should be serious about sin, what Christ has done with sin. We should be serious about the righteous life that he has set out for us. And and in our seriousness, instead of retaliating, instead of giving sarcasm in return, we hear the insults that are thrown at us, or we see the persecution that's coming our way, and we we respond with, but I know the kingdom of God is mine. Because I'm being persecuted for my righteousness. Verse 11, blessed are you and others revile or throw insults at you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely, not because of you, but I love that Christ said, on my account. You know the the saying, if it walks like a duck and if it talks like a duck and if it swims like a duck, and it has feathers like a duck, then it is a, a duck. You know the saying, right? Well, what if it swims like a snake, bugles like an elk, walks like a turkey, has fur like a bear, quacks like an eagle? What is it? <laughs> Good one. It's confused. It's hard to identify. You can't identify it. Christ is saying here, if you walk like me, you're going to be persecuted like me. John 15 tells us that. Matthew 10 tells us that. First, First Timothy 3 tells us that. If we walk like Christ, we're going to be persecuted like Christ. If you're walking and responding like Christ, 
Your only assumption is that in walking and responding like Christ, you will walk and respond like Christ and receive the treatment like Christ received the treatment. But the great news is, and the good news is, that you won't have to sacrifice your life for Him. You, you won't have to die on the cross for Him. You won't have to try and conquer death for yourself because Christ has done that for, for you. And so your response when persecution happens, your response when, uh, when uh, insults are thrown your way or persecution is thrown your way or, or utterances of all kinds of evil is thrown against you, you get to say, this is not on my account. But this is on account of Christ. And if it's on the account of Christ, let me remind myself what Christ has done on my account. And because of that, I can continue living and rejoicing in the moment. In verse 12 he says, Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. He points you directly, he points I, directly towards our reward. Our reward isn't good words on earth or good moral life on earth. Our rewards aren't great donuts or great barbecue or whatever the case may be. Our reward is life with God in heaven forever in a perfect place. No brokenness, no rebellion, no sin, no sorrow, no mourning, no tears, no sadness, no sickness, none of that. Our reward is life eternal with God in a righteous, holy place where rebellion is no more. So as long as rebellion is on the earth, as long as the earth and the world remains broken, we will experience the things that Christ has experienced. Turn to Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. We'll read this together. Matthew chapter 10 says this, And he called to him his twelve disciples, and he gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out, and to heal every disease and every affliction. The names of the twelve apostles were these. An apostle means sent out people, by the way. Uh, first Simon, who was called Peter, Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, John, his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas, and Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus. Simon, the Canaan, that guy, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. And verse 5 says this, And these twelve were sent out, instructing them, Go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and proclaim as you go, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. You received without paying, so give without pay. Act like Christ is acting. Verse 9 says this, Acquire no gold, no, nor silver, nor copper uh, for your belts, no bag for your journey, nor two tunics, nor, nor sandals, uh, nor a staff, for the laborer deserves his food. In whatever town or village you enter, find out who is worthy in, in, in it, and stay there until you depart. As you enter the house, greet it. And if the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. And if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet. And when you leave that house or town, truly I say to you, it will be more bearable on that day of judgment than, than for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah for that, than for that town. So Christ is saying, I want, I'm going to send you out, and you're going to be peacemakers. You're going to be healers. You're going to be examples of God on earth. Some will accept you and some will not. Be, be prepared for that. He goes on to say, verse, uh, verse 16, Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Have you heard this before? Sheep in the midst of wolves. It's not a, it's not a great scenario. Sheep don't have a lot of defense against wolves. R really, the only defense that sheep have against wolves is the sheep's shepherd. So be wise, and, uh, be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Uh, verse 17, Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to the courts and flog you in their synagogues. Here's what's going to happen to you as disciples of mine, Christ is saying. 
As I'm sending you out as the apostles, the sent out ones, as I'm sending you out, prepare for these, prepare for these moments. You are going against the flow. You're going, you're going to be opposite in what the world has taught everybody else on how everybody else should, should act. When I was in high school, we were wolves, Colorado City wolves. Okay, our mascot was the wolf. Uh, Slewfoot was her name, Slewfoot the wolf. And uh, there was a group of students, um, that started a club on campus called, uh, called the flow. And uh, flow is spelt, is wolf spelt backwards. They wanted to go against the flow and be different from the rest of the people on campus. And let me tell you, they were different and not in a Christ-like manner. They were very different from the rest of the, from the rest of the, uh, the high school society that I grew up in. They wanted to go against uh, what everybody else was doing. Not in a Christ-like way at all. They're a terrible example, actually. But here Christ is saying, I'm sending you out to go against the flow. You're going to be different from the rest of the world. You're going to be different from the rest of the world. He didn't say go up on the mountain, just hang out till Christ's return and be different in that holy huddle. He said go out among these, like sheep among wolves, and be different among those people. Verse 19, when they deliver you over, do not be anxious. Oh yeah, that's, that's great encouragement, Jesus as they deliver us over to be flogged, as they deliver us over to be, uh, to be put in jail, as they deliver us over to be persecuted, you're saying don't be anxious. When they deliver you over, do not be anxious on how you are to speak or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. So Christ is reminding them, though I'm sending you out, you're not going to be alone. You and I have to remind ourselves daily of that. You're being sent out as followers and disciples of Christ, but you are not going on your own. Christ has given you his counselor, his Holy Spirit, to uh, be with you. Verse 24, it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Brother. And verse 21 says, his brother will deliver brother over to death. So here we see families dividing over disciples of Jesus. We see families dividing because of what Christ has called his followers to walk in. And the father and his child and the children will rise against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. This is a terrible halftime speech. Okay, we're down. We want to get out there. and We want to win this game. And I'm going to encourage you as the coach. And here's the thing. You're going to get out there and you're going to be beat up. You're going to get out there and you're going to divide against one another. You're going to be out there and you're going to have uh, tr- trouble the whole time. It's going to be awful. You're going to be like sheep among wolves. Well, that's not very encouraging. Verse 22 says, And you'll be hated by all for my name's sake, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. Make it to the end of the fourth quarter, you will be saved. Persevere through the end, you will be saved. Do not give up. Your response to persecution, your response to afflictions, your response to trials means something. And Do not give up. Christ is with you. He has saved you. And on his account, you're being persecuted. And so because of that, do not give up. Verse 25, when they persecute you in one town, flee to the next. For truly I say to you, you will not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is not enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. If they have called the master of the house of Beelzebul, how much more will they they malign those of his household? Then he goes on to say, so have no fear. Though I'm sending you out a sheep among wolves, still have no fear. Though you'll be persecuted and you'll be hated by many, still... 
still have no fear. So have no fear for them. For nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. Remind yourselves of these things every day. When we talk about preaching the gospel to yourself and reminding you of these things, we're not saying read the newspaper. We're not saying uh, check out Twitter. We're not saying find the next greatest book. We're saying remind you of the words of Christ. The good news that Christ has for you. Here's some good news. For nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light. And what you hear, whisper, proclaim on the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body. Put your vision upon God, the creator and the life giver of all. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not. Therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my father. And Christ is sending these out. He's, he's, uh, giving us this charge, this commission to go out and to follow him. He goes on to say, do you not think, do not think that I've come just to bring peace to the earth, but I've come to bring, uh, I have not come to bring peace but a sword. He's going to do the dividing. He's going to do the fighting. Though he comes as a suffering servant, all glory and power will be given to him and to him alone. I love when Paul tells us in Philippians chapter 2 that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow. And because of that, we follow him and him alone. When we face trials of many kind, we can rejoice. We can remember, as Jesus has told us in uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 10, that blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of God. We can set our vision upon those things. I just want to tell you, remind you one other, one other thing before we um, dismiss this morning and you go be persecuted as sheep among wolves. I want to remind you of James chapter 1. You probably have it memorized. I'm hoping maybe that you do. But James chapter 1 says this, verse 2, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So you want to be perfect? You want to be complete? You want to be lacking in nothing? You must go through trials of various kinds. I love the Greek word there, parasmos, uh, where it says various kinds, trials of various kinds. Uh, it, it's the word that we uh, we break down and get our our English word, pirate. Uh, how many of you are looking for pirates this week? It, you know, you, you go out in your ship and you're just like, I'm waiting for the pirates to come. I'm waiting to see the the black flag with the uh, with the, the skeleton bones and the and the and and I'm gonna say, here comes these uh, these uh, trials of of many kinds, and I'm gonna count as as joy. No pirates come when you when you least expect it. Persecution comes for your righteousness uh, when you least expect it, and so we have to be ready for those for those moments. And then when those moments come, we don't mourn because we're being persecuted. We don't say, oh, woe is me because I'm being persecuted. We say, thy will be done in my life. Lord, I don't want to be lacking in anything. I want to be complete. I want to be perfect. I want to count this as joy. Because I know that steadfastness will come out of this. I know that through this trial, through this persecution, I'm going to be more in tune with Jesus. As much as it bugs me to say and goes against all the fabric of my Thackerson DNA, 
Sometimes I, I just wonder how, how great our culture really is. We've taught, we've taught each other what peace looks like. We've, we've taught each other what comfort and safety looks like. And we begin putting our trust in ammunition. We begin putting our trust in deadbolts. We begin putting our trust in imaginary borders. We begin putting our trust in governments. We begin putting our trust in things, and dare I say it, some of you are going to be mad at me. We begin putting our trust in flags even. And Christ is saying, just trust me. Know that at the end, that your steadfastness and your perseverance needs to be in me, in me alone. And Christ has called us, you will be persecuted. You'll be tested for your faith. Many will say they hate you because of what you believe, because you're going against the rest of the world. Your, world, your life is not like the, the, the life that should be lived in this world. Your life is living for something out of this world, something supernatural, something extraordinary, because it's not of this place. And so we put our trust in Jesus and Jesus alone. And I know that's difficult. I know that we, we face trials every day. But blessed is the one who is persecuted for righteousness' sake on account of what Christ has done for you. People hurl insults at you. People say things that are not true about you. People question the way you give. People question the way you retaliate. People question the way you treat women and men. People question the way you treat children. They, they question your whole life. And you get to say, glory to Christ. Because I know the Bible to be true. I know the words of God to be true. And because of that trust in Christ and Christ alone. And if Colossians chapter 1 is right, if 2 Timothy chapter 3 is correct, if Matthew 5 is really the words of Jesus, I only want to trust in Jesus. If, if truly, like, like the disciples said in the, act, in, in, in the book of Acts is recorded, nothing of this world is worthy to give you. Only the words of Jesus. Only the words of eternal life through Jesus is what's worthy of giving. And if that is the case, then when persecution comes today, as you walk like Christ has called you to walk, put your faith and your trust in Jesus and Jesus alone. Let me pray for you. God, thank you so much for Christ. I thank you that, well, at least for my own self, and I can't, other than my wife in the room, I can only really speak for, for us because I know her more than anyone else. God, I thank you that we can put our trust wholeheartedly in Christ and as missionaries upon this earth, as strangers of a foreign land, God, we act in obedience to you because we see you and your glory far better than anything else in this world. And God, as we respond to persecution this week, no matter how large or small it is, know that help us know through your Holy Spirit that it's not because of us Help us to be encouraged by your Holy Spirit, knowing that it's not because of our account, but instead on the account of Jesus and on account of what he's done for us, what he's done for the rest of the world. God, help us to be mindful of what you've called us to do. Help us to be living for righteousness and righteousness' sake.